Hello, welcome to the Wasting Time podcast. I'm on my own here. Chris is on his very belated honeymoon, traveling around Borneo with his lovely wife. Chris, I hope you're having a great time. Um, but we're going to get straight into this episode. Um, before Chris went on his on his travels, uh, he had a chat with with Casey from the Wonder Years. Unfortunately, I was away working. Um, but the Wonder Years' new record, "The Hum Goes On Forever," is out now. So go and check it out. But um, Chris chats to Casey about the release, about all things Wonder Years, uh, and and what Casey gets gets up to outside of the Wonder Years as well. So I shall leave you to Chris and Casey. Enjoy. Unfortunately, it's just the two of us this time. Uh, so Nick, Nick uh, if, if you remember my co-host who you, who you met briefly yep. on um, virtually last time, he uh, he was working in Belfast and he was supposed to fly back this afternoon, but his flight got delayed and uh, and delayed some more. And then it just became apparent that yeah, I was going to have to do this solo. So it's a yeah. shame, but you know. It happens sometimes. Oh, uh, uh, no. Yeah, I'm sorry to hear that. Also, I would have, I mean, you know, I could have tried to accommodate a little bit more. I thought that's why we pushed back. But it happens, as they say. Life happens. Um, so yeah, exactly. we'll just have to catch up with him. If it's good for you, uh, it's good for me. Um, yeah, yeah, definitely. For sure. It's definitely yeah. plenty I want to talk to you about and stuff. So I, I think yeah. we'll be good. It's funny. Always, it keeps me on keeps me on my toes a little bit because I've, I've had to do the odd solo one every now and then for for various reasons, you know, I can't, you know, when there's two of you, you can always kind of just like, ah, you know, I'll lean on Nick a little bit for this question, mm-hmm. blah, blah, blah. But, but it's all good. I mean, you know how it is doing it solo. Cause you, you do your show, right? That's you do that. Uh, I do. Well, so I, I also have a, oh, I, I do have a co-host, my co-host, Tom Conran, actually, who's um, my partner in the, the studio that I own. But uh, yeah, okay. so it's been rare. I think there's only been like one or two occasions where we've had to fly solo. Um, but um, but yes, I have plenty of other interviews where, you know, especially making the, the podcast rounds or the press rounds. That's usually me flying solo if I'm ending if I'm doing Got it. You. So, <laughs> <Got you>. um, <laughs> yeah, Gee, I was I was going to ask before, like, just you know, you said you you kindly set a backup track to this. Have you ever had it with your show, or or maybe when you're doing someone else's show and you've had like a really good interview and you've not that I want to tempt fate by bringing this up, but you've then lost it, like, or either they've lost it. Has that ever happened to you before? Oh, absolutely. Um, yeah, my <laughs> partner. We've had I've had Zoom uh, sessions. Uh, and we're, I mean, we've done uh, like about 50 interviews so far. Right. Um, cause we yeah. initially, the podcast started out as just kind of like a behind the scenes walk through from us from as like studio guys, musicians and stuff about the yeah. process. And then, um, yeah. And then we shifted to, um, you know, an interview based format and talking specifically, um, zeroing in on albums and, and different roles, uh, they're in and uh yeah we've definitely had like okay cool for some reason logic just didn't want to save that file when i went to save it and log off which is why i you know i doing this stuff through zoom there's then a redundancy where if that ever happens natively for somebody at least maybe zoom captured the audio and the whole things you know uh so uh but yeah it does happen and i've had to you know our editors had to been like all right i'll just take you know, Tom's audio from the zoom, you know? Um, so yeah, that's why I'm always like, I'm always here for a backup or if we get caught off here, then at the very least I'll just keep my audio running and roll right back in. So yeah, it's uh, nothing's foolproof though. It's computers, <laughs> the internet, you know, that's it. That's it. Yeah. yeah. We, we once had it with, do you, do you remember that band over it? 
Did you ever used to listen to them back in the day? I do. Yeah, uh, our former manager um, from years ago, I think, toured with them for for a bit. Um, oh, really? So yeah, they were. I think they, they were on Atlantic, right, or something of the nature. Yeah, they they had it. They were on Virgin for a little bit. But we right, spoke. We right. spoke. We we spoke to Pete from over it, and like one of like an amazing interview, and then Nick afterwards was just like, "Oh yeah, we weren't recording his audio." It's like, oh great. But and he, neither he, was he. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But um. Yeah, he's an awesome guy, and he ended up doing it again months later. God bless him. But um, oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> I love that. Yeah, we haven't we haven't had it. Uh, we haven't uh, had that kind of disaster yet. Fingers crossed. Um, and we've fingers been crossed, may that everything. continue. Yeah, 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 for sure, and for you as well. <laughs> <laughs> so, 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 what? Where are you right? So, obviously, you're back home now. Because for the for the listeners' sake, we did try and do this interview a couple of weeks ago, and. Uh, I guess like you were staying at a beach house at the time and just like, yes, the, the Wi-Fi uh, wasn't on our side. Yeah, it was, um, it was more or less a remote, uh, oceanfront work compound, uh, that it was turned into by a house full of, uh, friends that, uh, that work in the music industry as well, actually. And, um, it's become kind of like a vacation pilgrimage when we can, when we can do it. Um, and that was, uh. That was where I was actually right. in Delaware, uh, in Rehoboth. So okay. yeah. And, um, the, uh, the bandwidth gods didn't want to allow it <laughs> to happen. Yeah. Uh, so we did have to punt it, but yeah. Um, so I'm back home in Atlanta now. Okay. Okay. And, and what's happening right now? Cause so the time of recording, um, we're like 10 days away from the release of your new record. Um, I've got a crazy couple of weeks, so I think by the time this goes out, the record, the people listening to it now will have listened to the record. So that's a little uh, weird time lapse we have to deal with. But I guess you've you've got a lot in the build up to that right now. We do. Um, we've been on what I've uh, been affectionately referring to as the road to the hum um, mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, for for sports fans out there. Um, you know, feeling like our like playoff run, you know, is finally uh, approaching uh, the championship. But um, yeah, so uh, I will, for the purpose of this exercise, um, suspend it and pretend that we are in fact in the future. Um, <laughs> Cause we are, um, the hum is out. Uh, you know, we success, we survived the road to the hum. Uh, and, but yes, the, the hum goes on forever is the new album that we have been building up. We've been, um, this is, I mean, this is a first for us. We dropped a lot of, uh, focus tracks ahead of the actual album drop, which was, which was a big first for us. Um, and it seemed to, uh, it seemed to work out, I, I think in our favor, it gave us a chance to do some other things and a lot more videos up front than we yeah. had originally been able to do with other releases. So that was a, uh, that was a huge plus for it indeed. Well, uh, it's funny cause we spoke to Scott Russo from unwritten law not long ago, and that was right before he released his record called the hum. So there's obviously something about that title. Um, what, what inspired, <laughs> what, uh, um, yeah, you know, honestly, I'd be, uh, I'd be lying to you if I said that we hadn't been making some jokes about that in the van over the weekend. Um, <laughs> yeah, I thought ju- you would that, have noticed that that did ju- well, it did just come to our attention. Um, however, you know, who's going to say who has at first it is a word um uh, i implore anybody to uh judge them uh you know by their own merits <laughs> um don't don't judge a book completely by its cover 
y'all. And, you know, if you're listening to this, you should know that. Do not waste your time. Um, you know, do not get sucked in. What, whatever, whatever, what, what other bad puns can I get in here? Uh, <laughs> um, you know, um, no, but it's true. Yeah. Um, so the hum goes on forever is the title of our album. And, uh, I admittedly have not listened to that unwritten law record, but, um, I am familiar with its existence now. <laughs> Should give it, I don't know how you feel about that band, but, um, if you're partial to their music, uh, on uh, any stage of their career, I'd, I'd, I'd recommend giving it a li- giving it a listen. Um, yeah, I think it's a return to form for them. Um, mm. But uh, yeah, so this is this is like your first proper full length in like just over four years, right? I know you, I yeah. know you've had releases in that time, but um, yeah, that's that's probably the big that must be the biggest gap in a while for you guys, right? Yeah, you know, we um we were on about a th- uh you know, depending on what era of our career, about a 2 to 3 year cycle. Um Yeah, so sort of standard. A couple of world events um stretched that out this time. Uh yeah, Sister Cities was the last record that we put out, but in the meantime, you know, uh, obviously we did um we did spend a good bit of time figuring out how to make a record uh during a pandemic. Which came with plenty of its own challenges. Um, I'm sure uh, plenty of your listeners and anybody that was a musician, uh, there are a lot of pandemic albums floating. And I think this one, you know, um, is not trying to uh, fully wrap its narrative around just the pandemic, but it mm-hmm. definitely amplifies um, some of the subject matters that uh, that are covered on here. And I think our singer Dan did a a beautiful job encapsulating you know, what it was like to, uh, not only live through that, um, and be people with a, the background like ours, but just in general, um, you know, to become a parent during a global pandemic, um, and to grapple with, uh, a lot of the feelings that come along with that, that are shared by, um, you know, parents and non-parents alike, quite frankly, you know, um, kind of finding a reason to continue to press on and that deep internal motivation that I think as creatives, we, we look for. And I always, um, you know, I always implore and try to inspire the bands and artists that I work with, even outside of Wonder Years to, to find that same thing. And I think this was, um, a decidedly Wonder Years version of that kind of encapsulated into, into this record. So it did take a while, um, to come to fruition, um, timing and scheduling, uh, were, were not the easiest, um, you know, and, and aspects of making this record for us were different and some aspects were classic wonder years. Um, but it, uh, but I think the product that we came out with is, um, you know, full confidence, uh, is in my view and quite frankly, the view of a lot of other people that have a, a pretty serious history with the band, um, outside of the band that have either worked with us or have a serious working knowledge of our catalog and our history as people, as songwriters, um, you know, are, are actually in agreement as well with us that this is the best wonder years record we've ever made. So that's an exciting feeling to be, uh, to finally be here and have it out. Um, you know, ultimately, uh, what the audience thinks of it is kind of what, you know, will really matter and decide its fate post release. Uh, but for us as a musician, um, as a band, all you can hope for is 
that you feel completely fulfilled and can stand behind your work regardless of how it's received. And okay. and we indeed can, Chris. <laughs> okay, that's good. That's what yeah. I want to hear. So I mean you've I mean you mentioned just just before you touched upon it, like you've had quite a number of singles have, have, have been released prior to the album. Um as have you found the reception to those has been pretty positive? Overwhelming, I'd say. Yeah. Okay. Um, you know, I, I think especially to our our audience and our Wonder Years community. Uh, obviously had, you know, we, we did put out a few, uh, singles and did an, a really interesting project, which kind of brought us back to some older unfinished wonder years ideas, um, yeah. that we brought to fruition and put out with, a, a deluxe re-release of the upsides in suburbia. So that was a fun project that we also, um, you know, took under our, um, you know, that we also took on during the pandemic. Um, so that allowed us to put out some new material as well. So it hasn't been a, you know, a complete four plus years since we put anything out. Luckily, um, I don't think, <laughs> I don't think any of us would have, um, been able to, to stand that, but, um, but yeah, so that, that was an interesting thing that helped keep us moving and, and was a, a really unique experiment. I think that challenged us to think about decisions that we made as our former selves and, to be able to go back and revisit and pop back into that time and place um, and try to revisit those memories and that early energy that we had as a band, because yeah. believe it or not, it's still inside of us. <laughs> um, <laughs> you know, we may look a little different. Um, we may have a few more years under our belt, but a lot of that is still inside of us. So it was a way to kind of refinish those. But, um, and I don't think, you know, a lot of bands don't get that chance to, um, yeah. I think, you know, the, the hindsight being 2020 and for a while that the question, the interview question that we got is, you know, how do you feel about your first record? That's a joke record. How do you feel about, you know, um, your early stuff now and how it stacks up. And I think artists can be very self-critical. That's probably the easiest for them to be, uh, at yeah. times, um, to disavow what they did, uh, in their early years. But I, I think we've actually, this is a way for us to completely lean into it and say, uh, you know, those records made us who we are and we wouldn't have been able to make the hum goes on forever if we hadn't made those records. And this was a, yeah. uh, a kind of a bit of an, those two, tracks in between um sister cities and hum that we did uh with that deluxe re-release are kind of a representation of us paying homage to that and going back and finishing off ideas that we had started back then but finishing yeah. them off as um you know a very evolved version of ourselves okay so the, the, when did you like start demoing for for the, for the hum and uh, like so how, how old are some of these songs yeah. Um, you know, so I think early on the, the last thing a lot of people probably wanted to do when they felt like the world was, uh, ending, uh, is write songs, right? So it wasn't, it wasn't like, okay, we're shutting down day two of lockdown. Let's, let's start writing. Um, you know, but I, so I think it slowly came over time and, um, you know, by the beginning of, 21, we knew we wanted to make a record. We knew it was, you know, it was time um, that that opportunity was coming, coming back around. And it was tough to, to find the motivation of, you know, and answer a lot of questions of how are yeah. we going to do this? We entertain the idea of trying to work and pass ideas back and forth remotely. 
that's something I do uh, actually a lot. And now post pandemic do a lot more of is do virtual production, songwriting and putting projects together with a lot of okay. artists and clients around the world. But that's actually something that Wonder Years has always been a band that thrives off of the energy that you can only really get from an in-person collaboration for a number of reasons. There's a lot of us, <laughs> um, yeah, yeah. you know, and sometimes you get a really unique product by by kind of fighting it out, um, you know, well, metaphorically, we hope. Um, <laughs> and uh, and it's it's it was tough to do that. So it was tough to feel like there was a way to like truly pitch or explain ideas, concepts, uh, whether they be musical, lyrical, thematic. And um, we did our best to throw some of those back and forth. And we tried early on um, in the pandemic to do our best, um, like everybody COVID test and then keep our singer um, in a separate room to try try to run through ideas. And it felt too just... Uh, too disjointed for us. So okay. we ultimately kind of took a, an NBA bubble kind of approach to it <laughs> and, uh, and said, Hey, let's, um, let's rent out kind of like a farmhouse out in rural Pennsylvania. And we will just batch a bunch of ideas and everybody will quarantine leading up to it. And then we will test. We'll make sure that everybody's good to go. And then at least inside of that bubble in that house yeah. for, you know, for a week, we can exist as normal classic wonder years, you know? Okay. Um, and I, I don't think the record would have been, <laughs> would have been possible um, or would have, uh, you know, come out nearly a, as, as honest if we hadn't had that time and, and made sure to make that time for ourselves okay. and that space. The did you really notice once you started doing that, like within that week, like you were getting material that was kind of elevated already? Like, we really feeling that difference? Well, you know, that's when a lot of the the dots that were kind of just floating all around oh, okay. uh, in a bit of an amorphous way. That's when I think we all kind of started looking at each other and said, okay, all of these ideas and, and fragments of demos, it's like, I think we do have a record here. That's where we kind of, you know, found our, our marching orders and our direction. Um, and I think that's something that's always really important uh, for us as a band is making a cohesive record. And um, that cohesion was definitely lost um, up until that point. I think we had some great ideas. We knew we had some really, some really cool, some really powerful ideas, yeah. but um, it didn't, it didn't feel super real until we got in there and could just sit down across from each other, could just have dinner, crack a beer, make jokes, and then be like, wait, that thing you were working on, let's come over here for a second, you know, okay. um, and, and have those little asides that, that we always do um, during in-person rehearsal. So, yeah, that's when it felt real. And that's when we knew we we're like, OK, now we're we're making a record again, you know. OK. And um, um, when, when did when did you track this record? So that was also an interesting um product of uh, timeline availability and how things got shaken up. Initially, we, like I mentioned, we had looked at uh, the timeline and said, man, it's been a while since we put anything uh, aside from those two, um, you know, bonus B-sides out. So mm -hmm. we got the idea of, well, a couple of the ideas that we have are very, um, very Philadelphia centric, right? Um, and 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 really pay a certain homage to the city that we've all lived in, that we've grown up in. I think a lot of bands have a, a very genuine attachment to those cities, and even if uh, you know their audience or fans don't live there, I think that's also um, 
a very uh, unique way for an audience to relate to a band with that yeah. understanding of I, I totally get that I, I can feel that same way or you know know those little nuances about my hometown and uh so we we decided well what if we made like a a short um like kind of like philly e you know centric ep and uh we said well that would be cool um we'd want to make it in Philly uh, because I think that would be important to us. And um, there's a producer that uh, is based out of Philly by the name of Will Yip, who we've been friends with for quite some time. And I'm sure many of your listeners are probably, whether they know it or not, familiar with some of his work. Yeah, yeah, I've I've definitely spoken to people who've had records done by him. Yeah, Um, and he's a phenomenal guy. He's an incredible friend. He's just everybody's cheerleader and um, a seriously talented guy. And so, uh, and that studio is actually right in the suburb where we all grew up and and where a lot of us lived. So we approached him and said, "Hey, we haven't we've we've wanted to circle back and finally you know work together again. Um, We've only done like one uh, B side like cover many many years ago for a tour compilation with him." And um, we always felt like ah, that's just not enough. And, and we love spending time with him. So uh, we found a time to get into the studio uh, mm-hmm. summer of 21 and um, put those on the calendar with the intent of making a three to four song Philadelphia EP that is for like okay. decidedly, you know, about the nostalgia and the climate and a lot of um, themes that were very central to uh, that area of the country. And we had some songs. We knew that they were good. We got into the studio, started making them and realized, oh, these are maybe more than good. Um, and, uh, you know, we started looking at the rest of the record, which we had been writing um, up through that point as well and said, man, we don't want these to be lost as just like another like small bit of release, you know, or to get overshadowed by the record that is to come. Um, and we feel like they, uh, musically and substantively could really serve the record better being, uh, being all together with the rest of the songs that we were writing. So that, you know, um, of course presented some challenges because we were then slated to, do the full record uh, with Mr. Steve Evitz, who has done a number of our previous releases, No Closer sure, to Heaven, sure. Greatest Generation, Suburbia. And um, and we were slated to do that out in LA in August. And so um, through some careful calculation and some conversations, we said, okay, we're going, these are going to be, as it turns out, the first few um, songs that we have finished for the record. We just didn't uh, know okay. it uh, okay. at first. And, um, and then that, you know, that took us, um, you know, moving forward, uh, fast forwarding about a month and a half, two months. Um, you know, I, a lot happened in those two months, actually. I sold a house, moved from Philly to Atlanta. A bunch of the other guys were, you know, um, shifting all around. And um, we got out there and we finished up what were the remaining, I think, eight songs uh, actually at that time for the record with Steve Evitz. Um, okay. And that process was incredible. We, you know, we treaded some new ground as well. Um, we cut drums and bass at Studio 606, which is actually owned by the Foo Fighters. That's where um, of all of their gear that uh, the infamous uh, Sound City uh, Neve console. If anybody's seen that documentary, um, that's where that lives. That's what the drums and bass were tracked through. So that was an incredible experience to kind of jumpstart the beginning of the record. Um, and, 
and yeah, and you know, um, the rest, as they say, is a bit of history. Um, you know, and I, I think we we had Mr. Vince Raddy, who actually produced Upsides, one of our first um, ever releases. Um, yeah. We had him come back and said, hey, wouldn't this be interesting to get this full-on dream team from top to bottom uh, back together uh, and had him, he's he's gone on to do uh, a number of uh, really incredible records and um, has has begun to more and more focus on, on mixing those records. And uh, so it was a pleasure. He's worked with us a bunch. We know his rapport. He knows us. And, uh, and we entrusted him to mix and bring both sets of these songs, those four that we did in Philly oh, okay, uh, with Will okay. and then Steve yeah. and try to make sure that they all felt um, sonically cohesive as well. Because, uh, you know, the the place that you track drums and, and spatially, um, that defines a lot of the, the vibe and character of a record. And we wanted yeah. to make sure, because like I mentioned earlier, uh, cohesion is a huge thing for us as a band. We wanted to make sure that it didn't feel disjointed because of that. And I think it, it actually elevates them. And he was able to make sure that, um, well, they, they will always feel a little different in a good way that it wasn't, mm -hmm. uh, detrimental to experiencing the record as a whole. Yeah, that's interesting. I wonder if like, if the listener listens to the full record and they can pick, you know, I mean, I don't know, man. Like, I'm. It's funny. I'm looking at the songs you have out now, and as far as I can tell, correct me if I'm wrong. That the only one from Will Yip that you've released is "Summer Clothes," unless 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 Tidal has this wrong. I'm um, just looking at the credits for all the songs, and all the other ones are Steve Vets. Um, I wouldn't have known that, but obviously, you know, I do. And it's funny, man. I do tend to. I it's one of my go tos when I'm listening to something new. I'll. I'll throw up the credits and see who's mixed it who's who's uh produced it but i didn't spot that i just saw i just saw the steve vets i didn't spot the will yep so it'd be interesting to see if if uh if listeners i mean if you're listening to this now and the record's out i mean if, you, if you've been able to pick up on that but like obviously for you having tracked it at two different places i guess you're gonna you're gonna notice that yeah. And, and, you know, I, I think that's a, that's a thing where we, we also, um, came to a place where we said, Hey, that those sonic differences are okay. We, we are a band mm -hmm. that wants a record that has depth, you know, that doesn't seem too static and, uh, for lack of a better word, samey all the way through, you know? Um, yep. I, I think that's a pet peeve of ours. And, and a lot of that comes down to, you know, the songwriting at hand and curating it, you know, through, through the composition and, and instrumentation and thing and decisions like that, that are quite frankly, you know, a lot of which are already made before you even get in the studio, uh, especially for us, we, we demo things pretty excessively. So, okay. um, you know, and, and, and recut and kind of do our own pre pre-production and are pretty heavy handed with it. But, um, right. but yeah, I'm sure fans will notice differences, uh, here and there. And I think that's great. And, um, you know, I think to people that are less concerned about that, my hope is that uh, they're not too consumed or don't let themselves be consumed by the narrative of which one is which and why yeah. and, and should that matter? It's like my hope is that the point, you know, at least when we got finished with the record, that that doesn't matter, uh, that you no. can just listen to the songs and does it hit you? Or does it not? And, you know, I hope the answer is is not the latter, you know, and the yeah, reception exactly. thus far um, to both um, songs that Will has done that we put out and, and and those that we do with Steve has have been incredible, you know. Um, so I think that's 
a successful <laughs> mission in that regard. Yeah. Yeah, no, that makes sense. And I suppose it, it's pre- pretty common, particularly these days, to have different producers on different tracks or even different mixes on on an album. So, you know, there's nothing nothing to... Yeah, I know. I mean, in our in other genres, it's extremely common. I mean, in the pop domain, in hip hop, um, a lot of like electronic music, there's features, there's remixes all over a record exact where exactly what you're saying, where the credit list (laughs) is a mile long. Um, It's less common uh, with bands like ours that are very fundamentally, um, you know, song and rock driven and and see ourselves as a, you know, the same lineup, a cohesive unit and write together. So, you know, that's a little, uh, it was a little different there, but I've also seen plenty of bands that, and labels that if they're like, whatever their goal might, might have been or might still be, it's like, Oh, this track needs to go to rock radio. We got to get this person to remix this version of it. You know, um, I, we, you know, I've seen that all the time. Um, you know, depending on what they're trying to do and, and what they're, what their goals for the track are. So it's not uncommon, but this was, this was our version of it. And I think it only works because we had a history with both people or all people involved. So yeah, we were, yeah. we were willing to extend that trust there. No, fair enough. Uh, oh, uh, Nick just sorry. Nick just texted me. He's t- he's he's twenty minutes away from home. Oh, so he's def- hi, Nick. I did. I did, yeah. That's uh, I um. I well, assume we can wait. W- we can we can drag it out. I can wait and let him get one uh, one or two questions in if he <laughs> if he wants to hop in. I'll I'll hang out for a bit longer. <laughs> I appreciate that, man. I mean, we can we can pretend we'll, you we'll, can scramble it up in post. <laughs> <laughs> I'll just quickly reply. Sorry, but yeah, yeah no, I, I'm assuming he he's not making it, which is what I was assuming the whole time. So it's all good. It's all good. Um, no, it's it's fine. I'm just looking at things I wanted to talk to you just in you know very much in the present. And when we were talking the other week, um, so I guess this is a little dated, but still a bit relevant. So I wonder how you feel about this. Like you have the you have the rock sound cover, which I think it just it just come out maybe just when we were about to talk last time um yeah that's yeah. pretty cool you've always had a good relationship with rock sound like um, they've you know as far as um press and publications um i think a lot of bands you know depending on coverage and whatever it's like i've always enjoyed uh the way they approach a lot of their rock journalism and we've always respected the magazine for the hand it plays over there um which can't be said for every single publication (laughs) in the world uh but um that was a that was a big honor when they approached us and, and asked us if we'd be interested in something like that and um you know we of course said yes and yeah i think there's you know there's also a little um i actually just got an email um from our 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 rep over there about like also i was like really have they not had enough we got our own mini mag and there's still a little feature in the main episode you know in the main um thing that just came out so that's all out now and and people can yeah can order that i'm sure my mom's already beat me to it (laughs) um you know the proud parents that we have but uh yeah that was that was really cool it it came out awesome and, and the piece um and everything they had to say about it was was really uh really well written i thought and uh uh, we were we were super happy and honored by that for sure. So, yeah, um, no nothing else to say about that other than uh, honored and humbled for sure. <laughs> nice. Um, and at the time of recording, is it is it 
is it Riot this coming weekend that you've got? Is it? This it is Riot Fest. It's Amazing. two days around the corner. Yeah. yeah. How, how are you feeling ahead of that? I am so excited. That is um, probably our favorite U.S.-based rock uh, fest that we've ever played as a band. So uh, it's it's also been a few years for that. And I mean that. As a weekend, as a festival, as a community, Riot Fest is always special. I don't know if it's because it's like in the middle of the country, so you get a lot of people traveling from all around. Uh, yeah. they, they, they always do an incredible job with the lineups and the billing, so much so that I'm I'm just staying for the entire weekend. We're playing on Friday, <laughs> uh, yeah. uh, on Friday night. I'm just staying the entire weekend uh, just oh, to be a Oh, you're sticking fan. around. Yeah. So, Amazing. Um, yeah. Uh, so so- we are, we're extremely excited about that, yeah. Who are you looking forward to seeing personally? Um, damn, there's a lot. Let me, uh, yeah. I'm, you know what? I'm going to pull it up. I, I mean, I, so I'm a big, uh, in terms of bands in our world, I, Jimmy Eat World, I believe is playing Sunday. I'm a big Jimmy Eat World fan. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, so anytime I get an opportunity to see them, whether it's like festival club shows, it's always a pleasure. Um, I know, I think uh, some friends are working for uh, Get Up Kids. I think they're doing uh, like an album play front to back at one of the like super secret after party shows, you know, um, let's like somewhere at like Metro or whatever. So we'll probably uh, bounce around to some of those. That'll be cool. Um, I think, uh, which did, let me, let me bring up, um, let me stall. Yeah, bring up the lineup. Yeah, I'm I'm looking at (laughs) Um, it too. So it's only fair that you get to see it too. um, Yeah. So I, I mean, uh, there's so many, I mean, hell uh, in an interesting twist, uh, the stage that we were on on Friday, we are in great company and, uh, get to, um, then as we pack up after our set, uh, watch Mr. Jack Antonoff and bleachers do their thing, which is a a very interesting one two wonder years into bleachers, but I love it. (laughs) Um, Yeah. At least that's amazing. So so that'll be, that'll be fun. Um, yeah, I love bleachers. uh, yeah, yeah, such a I mean, such an incredible songwriter and such a cool energy. Oh, yeah. Um, you know, and then um actually interesting enough, uh I would say Descendants, but I literally just saw them this past weekend because we played a festival in Ohio uh called Is for Lovers Fest um with yeah, them. Yeah. So I had the pleasure of seeing them for the first time in quite a while. Um and yeah, I mean, honestly this this lineup is tough. I should not have brought this up truthfully. <laughs> yeah, um, I could just spend the next hour talking about this lineup. That's going to be, gonna be hard, know. right? I know. Um, yeah. And I'm sure your fans uh, would love and or hate that depending on where they're. I was like, cool, talk about a fest <laughs> that I can't go to. Yeah. Um, it's it's in the past as well. Yeah, the time yeah right. It's like that already happened. I don't know. Why do I even yeah. care? Um, you know, uh, no, but there's there's a ton of ton of cool bands um, on there. Uh, I'm sure a lot of your listeners are probably familiar with bands like Hot Mulligan um who also just played uh that new ls dunes band uh people are excited people are buzzing they are playing so i'm i'm excited to um see them do their thing as well as uh all the friends in menzingers uh front bottoms mannequin pussy yeah it really just wow this is gonna be i'm glad i'm staying i'm gonna this is i'm I'm gonna be busy making the rounds (laughs) i'm Um, very jealous of you both playing and getting to just be around this festival man midtown on the sunday you fan of midtown 
Uh, I am. Yeah, yeah. And, and I think they might be doing something else like after as well. Oh, no. Yeah, okay. I think Academy is is playing that whole yeah. almost yeah. home album, which I loved. What an what an amazing album. Um, yeah. So, I mean, this kind of descended into just, uh, you know, band worship and, and lineup. Yeah. But hey, uh, it's, you know, I'm it, it's relevant in some way, um, you know. If you sure. if you like it or don't like it, uh, uh, message you, not me. <laughs> <laughs> exactly, exactly. And it's funny, like I like for me, that lineup is way more exciting than um, another thing that I believe you're playing in in, in a month or so's time, which is uh, had a lot of press. The when we were young fest, right? You're playing oh, yes. that, aren't you? Oh yeah. yes. Uh, I thought you might. <laughs> um, yeah, I had I, I had to mention up. that. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, which has had a lot of attention. I mean, obviously, a very strong lineup, but um, yeah, I, I find this one more exciting. But yeah, just r- real quick on um, when we were young. You, yep. Presumably, you guys are excited to be a part of that as well. Listen, particularly I with think, the attention I it's think had, right? The entire world is excited to see how they make this actually happen. Yeah. Um, <laughs> us included, every band that I've talked to, all of our friends that are also on it, all say the same thing. We'll see. Uh, right. uh, just uh, that's going to be interesting because um, the ad mat. I mean, so much so that if you're a festival, right, that when you post the ad mat and the entire internet thinks that it's a hoax, um, that's I think that's like a first time. You know, that was like a real jump the shark kind of thing where um, yeah. I was like, they were like, hmm, how do we combat this? Because people now there's like a how do we do this anti disinformation thing? Because people are actually thinking that there's no possible way all of these bands could be playing in the same place at the same like how many state like how many stages are they going to have? How's it are each it, does each band play like a song and a half and then share gear like um yeah. you know and, and I too uh, I, truthfully I'm, I'm kind of curious. We're I'm booking yeah. my flights out there right now and okay. um so we're going uh, <laughs> uh <laughs> I'm exci- I'm as excited and curious as the next guy for sure but yes the lineup is quite literally insane it looks like um i mean i'm sure they'd love this but it looks like every uh every emo kids like um you know high school backpack (laughs) Um, it's it's pretty wild yeah yeah that's gonna be interesting definitely (laughs) Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. (laughs) um yeah it's 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 funny like um as as i said at the the top of this like there's there's so much i want to talk to you about but like you know i you know i know we only have a limited amount of time, so I'm just kind of picking what to focus on. But, like, I do kind of want to go a little bit, like, kind of through your career. Like, you know, not, like, stopping at every stage and just asking the questions you've been asked a million times. But, I mean, if it's cool with you, can we just kind of just do a quick kind of – I just want to – I just have a couple of questions, like, you know, that kind of points to your history and stuff. And we'll, we'll, we'll try and get through that. Yeah, absolutely. Ask away. Um, um, so I guess just firstly, just a bit about your history with music personally, like kind of like prior to, you know, forming this band, like what, what kind of bands did you grow up on and, you know, what were you into, you know, when, when you found yourself at, like kind of at the, in the yeah. early days of the one yeah. years, like. 
Well, you know what? Lucky for me, um, I still have this uh, when we were young fest lineup uh, up in front of me. <laughs> so that makes that question pretty easy. Um, you know, I'll just quote that ad, Matt, real quick. Uh, no, I, I mean, I, I did grow up, um, you know, um, actually, interestingly enough, I, I always talk about this in terms of my like weird non-traditional origin story. Um I grew up like when I was like six, seven, eight, like the first music that I actually became infatuated with was actually country music. I, I think because it was just, oh, okay. uh, WXTU was a, a station. I think my, like my mom listened to and just had it on in, in like her old Buick, which is actually interesting. Cause I don't even, um, remember it like beyond that, um, her being like a huge country music fan in general. But, um, right. so for some reason, some of the first like cassettes that I ever like, got as like a really young kid um and thought was cool i don't even you know i probably played them or just asked my mom to play them uh we're like uh dolly parton and billy ray cyrus and colin ray cassettes um which um which is an interesting way to start um what would become a much more punk rock uh driven career but um but that's kind of where it started and i I think that's when my parents were like oh this kid loves anything that's 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 got rhythm how do you feel about country music now? You, you, do you have a, any kind of love for it now? Like a, a um, modern country or? You know what? Um, so I, I will say this. I, I'm too old at this point to have any guilty pleasures. I don't find guilt in liking what I like. I don't think anybody else really should too. You know, be able to laugh about uh, about it a little bit and be self-aware. But um, I, uh, I love what people in the modern country sphere like Orville Peck are doing to shake things up. Um, and then there's a ton of uh, other brilliant songwriters, Casey Musgraves and what she did yep. um, with her album. I mean, I do, I do love it. And ultimately, you know, the common thread there are that these people are brilliant storytellers, vocalists and lyricists. And that much has not changed from Dolly Parton. Do- you know what I mean? Like I'm sure all yeah, of them yeah. are going to, you know, w- would do the same, um, you know, bow down praise to artists like that because they're songwriters, they're strong personalities and characters and they tell stories, right? That's for me is, is it really compelling? Does it have something that kind of just like gets inside you and, and, and tugs at your heartstring in whatever way? Did somebody find a way to do that? Then that's incredible, you know, and there's, Every genre has its own set of tools for doing that, right? Right, (laughs) For for eliciting um, really, really powerful reactions. And country music just does it a little differently. They just do it with a much more lyric-driven thing and uh, slide guitar through a reverb pedal. You know, Um, that's their like weeping violin, uh, you know, uh, as it relates to like a a classical music and, and, um, and genres of old. So, uh, I, I don't dislike, uh, dislike it. I think a lot of times some lines are, are drawn, especially nowadays over here, um, in terms of like political allegiances, but that's also why I love, um, sure. what people like, uh, Orville Peck are doing to kind of shake those notions on their head and say, no, this genre is not just for, you know, this social movement or sure, this side of sure. things. Um, you know, these stories can be for everybody and anybody that wants to, you know, listen to them and wants to benefit from, from them. So yeah. I do love that. Um, but as, as a kid that, um, uh, you know, also <laughs> at a very young age, um, 
was lucky enough to have a music program in our school and, you know, had a band director that put a trombone in my hand, <laughs> um, you know, and that followed me and that got me into a lot of other, you know, jazz and, and bluegrass and folk and a lot of other like brass focused, um, you know, music styles. Yeah. Um, yep. That kind of that collided with my appreciation for rock and like what I was hearing on like alternative specialty radio over here, um, you know, in the mid to late nineties. And that at the cross section of that was kind of that, um, you know, second, third wave ska stuff. Right. Um, which kind of slammed right into like the late nineties, early two thousands heyday of, you know, real big fish, less than Jake, um, you know, a, a ton of bands like that. So, um, so, uh, you know, that was kind of me. I was, I was a ska kid. We played in a ska cover band also with a couple <laughs> with my bass player who him and I, um, were in the first band that we ever started when we were like 12 years old and are still playing bass and guitar respectively. <laughs> um, it. you know, like 22 years later. Um, and that was kind of the, the history and how I got into all of that. Um, and, you know, not unlike some other guitar players or musicians in general. Um, I had a parent, uh, that was a musician many, many years ago. My dad was, um, you know, in a band toured, put out records on like Warner brothers, Paramount, you know, back in the seventies. I'm I'm not sure I knew that. Yeah. Um, yeah. And so, um, so he had a real love for that um, and, and a passion for doing that. And, uh, you know, that lent itself to having a few, he played bass actually, to having a few amps, a few bass guitars lying around the house as I was a kid. So that was something that I could kind of like pick up before I could even like plug it in or like pull any of the amps out of the basement to see if they still worked kind of thing. Um, okay. You know, he had that there. I remember him, you know, I think like at one point on like a really beaten down acoustic um, teaching me like that, uh, like day tripper or whatever um you know something uh something like that i think was one of like the first things which i don't even you know i haven't heard that song or tried to play it in a while but um you know so i think there was a inherent support there um from them also probably a a bit of anxiety because i'm sure he saw what it was like to try and be a a musician (laughs) and uh what that what that puts in front of you um so he's still supported me in spite of that anxiety and i i appreciate it because that was you know um it would it would have been very easy to go against the grain and say no absolutely not you're going to be a doctor (laughs) (laughs) you're not gonna you're not gonna fuck up like i did (laughs) whatever it is you know um so yeah and that was that was kind of how i got into it and then by the time high school came played in a bunch of emo bands i was you know started to be obsessed with like early offspring records green day all the you know those kind of like bands that were really breaking in the um independent and commercial punk scene and Mm -hmm. we were off and running into uh into the world of like punk rock and emo okay and so what what year did did you guys form so it was sort of mid 2000s right officially it it was 2005 i think it was a five okay yeah yeah, yeah. it was a loose formation because what it really was is you know as a band um we were never uh we never had the the forethought of you know being a band for a for you know, two decades, right? Um, It was (laughs) more, uh, hey, we're kind of bored. This common 
thread of you know punk rock and, and or like pop punk um at that time was what brought a bunch of us that were all in other bands uh you know of varying subgenres uh together and you know like wrote a song uh dan who we had kind of were like we're like well you're singing in your other band now you'll sing for this um yeah. you know he was kind of just like well i guess i can write some lyrics like should it be should they be like serious or joke and all of us are like oh a hundred percent joke lyrics um and so that was like the first couple years uh, of the band was you know the epitome of not taking ourselves seriously and or you know the um the subject matter that is and uh and staying extremely lighthearted about it and i think that's actually probably part of the reason why we were able to develop a bit of a rhythm because we were having fun with it more so than okay. anything early okay. on where I think a lot of yeah. a lot of our other bands you know we had all been in bands where we were like this is going to be the screamo band that totally makes it to the top you know or whatever it whatever it might have been um so we had all been playing in those other bands that we were you know really like dedicated to and um and whatever and so this was kind of started out as the fun lighthearted side project thing and over the years just kind of morphed into something where we said, Hey, we're really liking this. I guess we could try and take a swing at, um, you know, maybe writing something that we can stand behind lyrically, (laughs) uh, and thematically a little bit more. Um, and, and that's, you know, that was, that was a subtle transition as well. And yeah, yeah. I mean, definitely came a long way from, you know, I'm just trying to think of like, it's been a while since I listened to, you know, get stoked on it. But like mm-hmm. uh, lyrics about Captain Crunch, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Yep. You know, not, not, yeah. not I'm being down on that record because I, I I enjoyed it at the time. Um, but yeah, so you you got over to the UK pretty early on in your career, right? We did. So we have a very um, long, a uh, very extended history uh, with the UK. That was actually the first place um, that we ever did it, like a tour longer than like two to three shows was over in the okay. UK. Believe it or not. Um, yeah many years ago. And, um, we've been coming back ever since we were just trying to do the math this weekend of how many times, like how many full U S runs we've done. Um, how many times we've been over to the UK. I mean, it, we were like, we lost count and we, we never went back into the official, but it was like 20 to 30 times plus, uh, that we've, that we've been, um, to the UK alone, I think. Um, so somewhere in there, but I mean, either way that's, um, that's unbelievable. And I think if you had told us back then, be like, Hey, you're going to go do this like 30 more times, at least been like, get what, (laughs) how, (laughs) um, you know, and, uh, but we have, and, and the UK has always been really supportive. Um, I mean, you know this, but there's a longstanding, um, history with, uh, not just rock, but obviously like great punk rock bands over there. So, you know, um, I think it's something that the UK has been able to, thankfully, you know, with people like, um, you know, Ben Ray and JD, some of our friends that that run things like Slam Dunk um, and um, some great independent record stores over there, um, you know, have have continued to foster that community um, and continue to foster this like kind of emo and more progressive punk rock scene at large. Uh, And I think and we're grateful for it because we've continued to grow over there as fans that have some of whom have, you know, like were there those first couple shows, which how, how after seeing that monstrosity, they continued to come back. I'll never know. (laughs) Um, but, uh, but it's incredible. So it's funny, man. I was just, 
uh, just last week I was just at a wedding and I ran into my old friend Tim Williams, if that name uh, rings any bells. <laughs> <laughs> and I met- we got to cut it now. We got to cut the feed. <laughs> yes, uh, of course. Of course I know Tim Williams. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, that was... Um, and it was just after, so that was just after I'd spoken to you briefly on the, uh, you know, when it wasn't working. So I was like, yeah. hey, man, I was, uh, I know you know the Wonder Years. I was talking to Casey the other day. So, uh. <laughs> yes. And anything that he mentions about those first tours with All or Nothing, uh, completely untrue. Uh, as you know, if you know Tim Williams, you know that you can't trust a damn word that man says. <laughs> yeah, that's fine. Yep, yep, yep. No, no, no. But uh, but we love those guys. And that, yeah, that was that part of our um, our early history and our early relationship was with some really solid friends uh, in bands. Uh, like all or nothing and you know that who we did a split with and uh, yeah. you know and got to know and got to make a, a lot of uh, other friends in the uk who we still look forward to seeing every time we come over truthfully um and uh and that's amazing too because we get to continue um those friendships uh as well and and reconnect even if it's just for you know a beer or two at a you know at a festival over yeah. there, you know, um, sometimes that's all you get, uh, you know, just, just a, a brief check-in rolling through the city, <laughs> but we've learned to, uh, appreciate that, uh, as well for as, as brief as it may be. So, right, and, and right. we have a bunch of them over there. Now, where, where are some of your favorite places to play over here? You've, you know, obviously you've, you've experienced probably mo- most towns and cities yeah. at this point. Yeah. Well, um, I, I mean, I'll start by saying, um, we've, um, we've, you know, etched, uh, the cities of Leeds and Birmingham into song form in our catalog. So, um, you know, those are two, like I said, with, you know, with all or nothing guys, we, you know, we always liked Birmingham and felt like a, you know, a slight attachment yeah. to that for, for that reason. Um, and Leeds, we've always had some really crazy shows like that, the kind of early on just playing and, or just, um, kind of devolving into that kind of, uh, university nightlife, um, over there ha- has provided some pretty, uh, extreme moments and memories. Um, and the shows are always incredible. Those, those two cities too always seem to show up. Um, we also, I also love Manchester, um, just, at, like as a city and a lot of them, again, as you, as you probably know, having, you know, been to shows at, um, at a bunch of these venues over the years, I'm sure, uh, a lot of them are tied to universities or even in universities. So that's kind of, um, our, position, um, and our vantage point and where it comes from. So you get to see, um, you know, the next generation, uh, of a city (laughs) kind of like, um, you know, coming into its own, which is interesting. So there's a cool energy there along with all those. So, yeah, I mean, those are three of our favorites, but there's, you know, you guys have some, some interesting and, and really cool beaches, uh, as well. Uh, I always like Brighton just as like a, you know, as that's, an aside, that's, shows, where, that's shows where I'm aside. from originally. Yeah. So then, you know, um, you know, you have a wonderfully picturesque, uh, you know, ocean, ocean side. Um, yeah. You well, know, if you little, like pebbles. Right, right, right. You know, uh, I say beach relatively, uh, you know, <laughs> uh, your, your version of a beach. Um, but yeah, there, I mean, there's a, there's a bunch of good ones. And I mean, London is so wildly expansive that just flying in and out of there, we've spent so much time in there and, in a lot of ways it's in the same way like new york it's 
there's cities inside of cities inside of cities <laughs> um, yeah, that, course. you know, all those different areas. So it's, it's tough to say, but um, I, I've always appreciated, uh, you know, certain, certain parts like that Camden and, and some of the other parts that we've played. So yeah, I, a, a huge fan of the UK, uh, as you can probably tell <laughs> <laughs> outside so, of the uh, weather, obviously it goes without saying, but I'll say it. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. Yeah. But there's nothing like a nice, bright, sunny festival day, um, you know, in the mid 70s in the UK. That's when you really start to be like, is there a higher power? I know there's not, but <laughs> right now it's some something's happening. Uh, it could almost convince me. So did you have fun playing Slam Dunk um, this year? Because you, you were oh. doing like the uh, different doing different records and different, different, different. Um, we, um, I think the phrase you're looking for is we set the record for longest ever slam dunk sets, uh, two, <laughs> two days in a row, um, by yes, by playing both records back to back, um, uh, both upsides and suburbia. So that was a, that was a feat and a challenge in and of itself. Uh, yes, unfortunately motion city who was meant to be playing right next to us on our stage was unable to get over there and, uh, they pivoted and said, Hey, we know you've been doing this like two record thing. This sounds crazy, but and we're like, all right, fine. <laughs> um, and we did it. Uh, and, and it was really cool. It was really special to be able to, you know, that's, that's not Very something cool. you see a lot. See it, you know, bands doing two full records front to back at a big festival like that. So we were, nice, uh, nice. we were like, are you sure you want this? And they were like, yes. And we're like, <laughs> all right, well, we warned you, <laughs> but it, it was very cool. It was, it was really amazing. Yeah. Um, just jumping real quick back onto the kind of timeline of your career. What, what, what was like the first tour when you were just like, Oh, okay. This, this is really, this, I can't believe we're on this and we're with these guys, you know, like yeah. <laughs> after you've toured with the likes of all or nothing with, you know, all due respect <laughs> to them, you know, uh, like, you know yes. what I'm asking. Yes, absolutely. Well, I've mentioned my checkered past um, and uh, my high school ska fanaticism. So mm -hmm. uh, when we found ourselves supporting Streetlight Manifesto on a full U.S. tour with them, um, that was a pretty surreal moment to watch those right. guys yeah, yeah. play a bunch of those songs that are legendary in that punk uh, and, and ska world. And they're just such phenomenal musicians, too, um, just even outside of the records and the bands and the history that uh, that those have in uh, the punk, um, you know, and, and ska culture. Uh, I think that was a tour where, A, we, we just wanted to kind of like watch them do their thing every night. We're like, whoa, you're good at this. Um, and, uh, and then also it was like, oh, we need to get better at this. <laughs> um, <laughs> you know, it's just like we should – play our instruments better because it's mm -hmm. going to be very apparent, uh, you know? Um, so that was, that was also like a, a really, uh, important lesson and growing period for us, I think, because it was wholly inspiring to be like, Whoa, we're on like a real tour. There's like, this is the, the most amount of people we'd ever played to like every show was the biggest show we'd ever played. <laughs> you know, um, it was, mm -hmm. it was one of those, um, and the most people we'd ever played to, but then we were opening for a band like Streetlight Manifesto, who um, a bunch of us had grown up loving, even covering, you know, those, those yeah, early like yeah. Catch-22 and Streetlight songs. So yeah. that was a big one. That, so that's an easy answer for me. It, it was definitely that tour. 
Okay. Okay. And then did, were you just kind of, was it on to the next thing from there? Like you just found that once you had that, you were, you were constantly basically constantly touring from that point. Yeah. That, yeah, that kind of started a, a period where, you know, suburbia greatest generation and even in no yeah. closer to heaven, um, you know, for most of those records, those album cycles, um, you know, included full warp, multiple full warp tour runs, right, you know, right. which is, which are feats in and of themselves. Um, and also, you know, pretty, um, iconic and provided some surreal, um, both good and bad moments for us at times there, you know, that's, it's a lot of heat. Um, and it's a lot of shows, you know, um, but it was, but so that was incredible with a ton of full us tours. I think one year we realized that we, did straight shots from Philadelphia to LA and back like six times. Um, cause we had to start a tour out in LA and then at the end of that drive straight back and then had to go do a rec drive out there to do a record and then drive straight back after that. <laughs> and then had to go out there again. Like it was, it was pretty crazy. So it was a lot of just like straight up, like three and a half day don't stop, um, until you, you know, reach the other coast kind of stuff in that period. We logged a lot of miles and a lot of shows where, you know, we were out for, anywhere from like eight to 10, eight to 11 months out of, you know, the year, depending on how you would bookend it at, at that time period. So it was, it was extensive for sure. We were grinding, but, uh, you know, I mean, uh, uh, most of them, uh, was all time spent very finely with people who believe it or not, I still get along with, <laughs> um, and we still enjoy the company of very much. So, um, you know, I wouldn't trade it. I don't think. That's nice. Who, who are some of your favorite bands to tour with? Ooh, um, let's see. Um, that's a good one. Uh, actually, this is also a, a pretty serious softball question because um, as this is probably airing, we are in real time gearing up to get together with uh, probably our favorite collective uh, all-time band to tour with, uh, a band from Michigan called Fireworks. Yeah, and. Yeah. Um, after many, many years of twisting their arm, um, you know, have they, sending, have they been, they've been like kind of, um, inactive for a while. I feel they've, like. they've been making, you know, they, making music off and on for sure. And they, and they have new yeah. music, um, okay. which is also, uh, as all of us are, are, have always been very big fans of the music that that band makes. Very exciting to us. Um, so they have new music out, but, um, they haven't been touring as much. Yeah. So, um, you know, life life takes over for band members, individuals as it, as it always does. And, yeah. uh, yeah, so they haven't, they haven't been, um, you know, doing any touring for, for quite some time. And we've been like, Hey, really all this other stuff we're doing, it's just so we can tour with you guys again. Like when, are, when is that, when are we doing that? And they finally just, I, I don't know, maybe we caught them at a weak point or something. Um, <laughs> uh, we made them an offer they couldn't refuse. No, it was nothing like that. Um, you know, but we were lucky enough to get them to, to say yes. And so it'll, you know, it'll be two weeks that in October, um, you know, the East coast and Midwest dates that we get to do with them. And I'm sure in some ways it'll be like we never left. And then in other ways, uh, when there's like lots of children around, uh, it'll be <laughs> like, oh, things are decidedly different. But um, right. <laughs> we're really look at, looking forward to that. And they are um, some of our truest friends that we have been honored to 
uh, in the past share the road with and will be honored again to share the stages with this fall nice man i remember i remember seeing you with them with it being at the old an old venue called the purple turtle in camden many years ago i think it was like a pre-slam dunk show that you did with them it was there was there was a lot happening at that show. I think that was, uh, I think millionaires played. Yeah, um, man. I, and, and I'm, Hey, I'm not proud of this. You know, like I'd had a couple of drinks that night and I remember when million and I, I don't advocate like giving, you know, saying anything, uh, negative to bands on stage. I can't, you know, it was, it was relatively harmless, but you know, I said, uh, what are we saying like, here, rubbish. Chris? What's happening? <laughs> I, can't, I can't remember what I said. It was just, it was rude. I was just like, oh, you guys suck or something. And I would never, I can't believe I did that. I'm ashamed of that. And they quite rightly called me out on stage. They're like, what, you don't like fun? And I had nothing back to say to that. They but heckled, I do remember. They heckled one the of, heckler. Yeah. They did. They did. And good good for them for doing good that. Good for them. But I do remember one of the fireworks guys turning to me and just saying, yeah, they're, you know. <laughs> They are rubbish, though, to be fair to you. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, no comment on that. I, yeah, I wasn't yeah, there. Yeah, so no, I, I, would, I, I wouldn't expect you to. Yeah, I, yeah. Can either, I can either confirm nor deny, but I do remember that show um, for a different reason because um, without giving too much away here, I will say that uh, Fireworks Drummer at the time, just before they were about to play, um, went missing uh, for... Uh, a, a reason that that we don't need to talk about right now, okay. but uh, <laughs> um, was unable to attend the gig, and the band did not know this up until you know, like an hour and a half before they were going to play. So they got both the person that was driving their van, uh, Matt, our guitarist, and I think one or two other um, people to fill in each play a song, be like, how fast can you learn this song on drums? And they got like <laughs> five different people to fill in trying to play drums, you know, so that they could at least get like, get through five of their sets. So I don't know. Uh, so uh, I don't know if you remember that, but uh, we sure do. And they sure do. Yeah. Um, Cause they did that whole set with a rotating cast of cameo <laughs> drummers that were, that, that were charged with uh, roughly an hour's notice to learn one or multiple songs uh, and fireworks. If anybody, for some reason is not familiar, familiar with that band one, what are you doing? Go listen to their discography. Mm -hmm. um, if you at all call yourself a fan of like the greater punk rock or pop punk genre Two, uh, a lot of those uh, older songs that they were playing at that time. Um, and just in general uh, are not like, cool. It's like a rock beat one kind of feel just like all the way, you know, it, it was not like a keep it snappy, watch me for the changes and, uh, you know, just, you know, <laughs> lean into two and four. There's some like some intricate songs and like really, you know, well-written, well-crafted rhythms in there that, that you kind of have to know and execute to Definitely. sell those songs. Um, and it was, I mean, we all had a blast just being like, what is this going to be like and to my credit i think matt brash um did an incredible job uh he's he loves a good challenge like that um and uh and yeah so i remember that show specifically finally so thanks for taking me back there yeah man no worries um yeah so just to you know kind of skip through what happened next i think i think most of our listeners who are listening to this will know obviously you went then on hopeless put out a whole bunch of like uh really important records within within our world i'd say um so as someone who put those records out what what what's your favorite one now can't can't say the new one obviously 
but like, Ooh, uh, but I'm gonna, <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, well, I'm gonna, but if I with can the, second favorite, after my the second new one. favorite, right. We'll yeah, go yeah. with second favorite. Um, that is a tough one. Uh, I do love greatest generation very much because I remember yeah. something about putting that record together feeling, um, I mean, they all feel special in their own way, but I, I think like a lot of our, um, our wonder years, uh, fans and, and our community. Um, I, I was really, um, really very into the task at hand of putting together, um, the last song on that album and, and kind of bringing everything back into, into focus. Yeah. Yeah. That was, and, a, that was really kind of, you didn't, yeah. I can't, I mean, maybe there are other examples, but particularly in the sort of pop punk genre or whatever, I can, I remember when I heard that last song, like was well, sell out. I want to sell out my funeral, or whatever. And, yeah. Like, all the other songs come in. She's like, "Whoa, this is genius." Yeah, and I and you know, and I remember uh, I putting that together and um, and workshopping it for a while and figuring out how to do it and kind of just realizing, yeah. oh, the only way to do it is just to kind of get in there and and just figure it out and try a bunch of stuff. You know, there was there was there were some other, you know, methodical workings, um, you know, that we had or suggestions of like, okay, I, I, I checked this out. I think this can actually overlay over these chords and let's try this and this and, and getting it to all flow together. Um, but it was a lot of playing through a really long extended song to be like, does the yeah. flow of all of that feel good to us to play? Not just, you know, technic does it technically work? Right. Yeah. Um, and so I, I, you know, I thought that made for a really, really nice, um, you know, um, uh, really nice way to put a pin in it and, um, you know, reframe and, and revamp everything into a, a cohesive package, which, you know, at that point in our career, I think we were really on that record, especially starting to, to figure out and fall in love with the task of. So, uh, you know, I, I'd, I'd probably say greatest generation, but I don't know, earlier this year, we played upsides and suburbia all the way through. And those suburbia songs, are ripping and they are fun to play. I love watching our drummer sweat. So, <laughs> um, you know, and those records do that, um, decidedly. So, um, I don't know. It's, uh, it's tough. Um, you know, there are definitely least favorite songs that we have, <laughs> uh, as a band, but, um, you know, we don't need to go into that. <laughs> no, no. Yeah. We'll, we'll, we'll leave those. Um, alone. we'll let everybody have their own least favorite song in the catalog and that's okay too. <laughs> everybody has their favorites. Everybody has their least favorites. That's what makes it great. One person's favorite can be another person's least favorite. Exactly. What a, what a wild exactly. world we live in. That's how it goes. That's the yeah. fun of it. <laughs> um, so obviously, you know, for a while you've been in an established band, you know, a band you can make a living off and stuff. But like, I'm just kind of just want to ask a little bit about your life outside of the band, you know, yeah. uh, like your production work, your podcast. Yeah, no, it's funny, man. Like I haven't, as you can probably tell with my ignorant question at the, about your podcast at the start, it's something I haven't had a chance to dive into, but there's lots of episodes I want to listen to. I listened to the anti-flag um, when you spoke to Chris Barker, yeah. uh, which you released the other week. That was, that was a sick episode. I love that. Oh, cool. Um, yeah. That's, I mean, it's such a, it's a, a truly, um, a labor of curiosity and love for myself and, yeah. and our, and my co-host Tom. Um, it's, a, it's, it started out because we are just true studio nerds at heart and, uh, love, uh, you know, 
wrapping our heads around different stories and studio lore about other records and the records that we're working on, not just Wonder Years records, but, uh, you know, records, uh, you know, that we're working on with other studio clients and, you know, producing, writing songs or mixing, whatever it might be, um, yeah. and different anecdotes and sharing those things back and forth. And eventually we got to a point, uh, mid, mid pandemic where I was like, I feel like I just want an excuse to have these conversations, but bring other people into them. Um, because everybody has their own unique vantage point and perspective. Um, and even from album to album or release to release, that perspective changes, that role changes, right? Um, and those are all the things that kind of inform the DNA makeup of how a record actually takes, it, you know, its final form. And uh, yeah. and we've become fascinated with that. The more I produce, the more I listen to music and just continue to be a fan of what is constantly happening and evolving, both in this world and outside of it. And you know, I think there's a lot of opportunity that I've seen to grow uh, and learn new things by going outside of the genres that you exist in, even by going outside of the mediums that you exist in, right? There's, there's creative, um, you know, processes and techniques um, and tips, tricks, all of those things, you know, that I love getting from people that are uh, do stuff that is almost completely unrelated to making music, right? You know, how, a how an author crafts a novel, right? How a director, you know, conceptualizes and works with the people involved in bringing a scene of a movie yeah. or a film together, right? Like all of those things are incredible illustrators, how an illustrator tells a story through one image, right? Um, and how they have to do that compellingly, um, you know, if, uh, if that is their goal and how they approach that. And I love bringing all of those uh, ideas into how they inform uh, and how you can utilize those perspectives making music. And that's what this, this show, the record process gave us an opportunity to do um, yeah. was invite people, some of whom we knew and, and had uh, had history with and others of which um, were uh, lucky enough for us put on our radar by, you know, some mutual friends or suggestions from other people. And that's such an illuminating thing because when you go into something that you don't know a lot about, you know, you can just be a fan again. And my perspective changes as well. How did you do this? You know, like, yeah. why does it yeah, sound yeah, like yeah. this? Um, and I love that too, because I think that's really important, especially for, um, you know, whether you, whether you're just starting out your career in music making music, um, working on, or around the music industry, uh, or you've been doing it for decades, right? I think it's very yeah. easy to fall out of love with the concept of just appreciating music as a fan, right? Um, yeah, yeah. So I think that's something that this podcast for me was a way to make sure we we continued to explore that, right? Explore that fandom, explore, explore that curiosity. And the hope was that by doing that and putting it into episodic form, we could approach some records that really meant a lot to other people. One, some like really legendary records or some really like cutting edge gripping records that are making waves now and doing really unique and interesting things. Um, but also kind of inspire uh, other creatives because I am a huge, uh, avid, um, uh, self-improvement, self-evolving, you know, 
uh, literature reader. Um, that's also probably a lot of, for a lot of the reason where we can get into this at a, a, you know, a later point, but I even started kind of doing some strategic like artist coaching, uh, and mentoring oh, wow. along the way. Um, because I just, I wanted to be able to pass along a, a lot of, um, you know, some of the insights and or general conversations and general lessons that I've learned from us fucking up or, you know, from yeah. us doing some things right and not realizing it, it was a good idea until after the fact and, and everything in between. Um, and so the podcast was a, a, an easy way to give that feeling back that I found I was getting from a lot of that material and from a lot of other really uh, incredible creative podcasts as well. So um, I was like, man, I want to just I want to also try to give this back and, and give this feeling and this motivation to people because it's, let's be real, depression and um, and a lot of mental health issues plague a, a very vast number of people in the world. But I think yeah. um, creatives and artists specifically are wired in a certain way um, that they are very susceptible and very vulnerable to a lot of the uh, the negative aspects of of those um of those issues right um sure. and uh you know i know those are things that uh, even myself and plenty of other people that i know that are wildly talented have grappled with and you know has has hurt their overall output and their ability to continue to be a prolific artist um you know or songwriter or musician so i wanted to you know those podcasts and a lot of those other mentors, whether they know it or not, um, have really helped me on a day-to-day -day basis continue to push forward in doing the things that I know I love and I know um, my future self will be grateful for. And I was like, hey, if me talking for an hour and, and asking some interesting questions to these people um, can help do that for somebody else, then that feels like a pretty great use of my time and it has been, it's been really fulfilling thus far. So yeah, that's, that's, that's cool. about the, yeah, that's how it all came to be, I guess. Do you have, uh, is there any kind of dream guests that, you know, you hope to get one day and there must be a couple of white whales out there for you? You know, what's interesting. I, um, this is another thing too, because I think it, it would be very easy for me to, turn what this show is um, into another list of, I got to get this goal. I got to hit <laughs> this mark. I got to hit that. Right. Yeah, um, yeah. But what I, what I've really started to, tr and, and honestly, so, and there, and I will, I'll clearly name a few. There are, there are plenty. Right. Um, but what I think is interesting too is, and almost maybe more fascinating are the guests that maybe a bunch of our listeners have never heard of and get introduced and then become enamored by it and are like, listen, I had to go check out this EP because that conversation just completely floored me. And right, the way yeah, that that yeah. artist spoke about it or the way that that producer talked about the process that they used to experiment to make everything and, you know, the way they did, uh, I just had to go listen to it. And it's my new favorite album, right? And that sets them mm -hmm. on a brand new trajectory. That to me is maybe just as thrilling, if not more fascinating than one of those white whales, like, you know what, I'm going to see if he finally has some time. I'm going to, you know, see if Ozzy Osbourne will do it, you know, um, you know, let's, uh, let's go, let's talk crazy train. I want I want the story, right. You know, um, sure. Plenty of people, but also, you know what, there's been 
a lot of shit written about Ozzy Osbourne. There's been a lot of stuff. So I, I kind of love the idea of um, giving a place for people to tell some of these stories that maybe haven't been completely like, you know, treaded on back and forth a thousand times. Right. Um, yeah. And, uh, you know, but there's, it, it actually, the, the, the more I listen to music, the more I'm like, Oh, I'm going to have a problem because the list of people that I think would be awesome to have on the show is never going to stop growing. Right. Um, it's a, it's kind of like, yeah, it's kind of like, you know what? Um, everybody's like, well, like, uh, being a barber, pretty good profession. Hair's not going to stop growing anytime soon. Mm -hmm. People are always going to need a barber. Right. Um, it's kind of like that. It's like, there's never going to stop being as technology continues to evolve as music itself continues to evolve the way it's delivered, the way it's consumed, all of that, the landscape will change. And that will in effect change the type of music and the way that music is, is created. So there will always be new interesting stories right now, this season that we just started off with, as you mentioned, um, Chris, number two, the basis for Andy flag was our first guest this season. And, um, you know, he talked about it and there's no surprise here. A number of other guests that were, I'm talking about current, uh, albums with on the podcast in many ways, share the commonality of their own reality, making those releases within a pandemic, right? That is a huge yeah. era that we will look back at um, in music creation. And, you know, it will be whatever it will be known as, you know, someone has probably a way better name for it uh, than I will that'll come out in some book five years from now, right? Um, some musicologist, but, um, and there will be something else down the line, right? You know, the, Mo phones the uh, the advent of just mobile phones and ios basically yeah. you put a doll in your pocket you know what i mean like how many my singer himself i had dan on, on the podcast um last season and uh we do a segment called gear candy now where you know we talk about and there's plenty of shows that cover gear way more in depthly and we know that um yeah, so we didn't yeah. want the record process to just be that right because we were like we're, we got to like, we got to pump the brakes on the studio nerdery here. It's about the story, you know? Um, and, uh, but the gear candy stuff, um, you know, Dan's answer was it's his phone, right? <laughs> you know, it's like for him as a songwriter, his most important piece of gear is oh, his phone. Right. If he has an idea, yeah. he can pull it out and hum a lyric, hum a line, um, and just keep it there and know that it's in his pocket whenever he wants to pick it back up again. Yeah. And yeah, that sure. to me is a perfect example that has changed the course of music production and composition, you know, in the last 10 to 20 years. So, um, I love it and there'll never be a shortage of it, but yeah. Um, I mean, if, if any of this resonates with anybody that's listening or sounds interesting, yeah, then, you know, check it out. There's a bunch more episodes to come with, with season three for sure. Awesome. Awesome. We'll look forward to that. And so you're, um, so when, when you're not on tour and busy with the one year stuff, does the production side of your production work, does that keep you, is that basically what, what you're doing when you're not doing one year stuff? Yes. It keeps me very busy. Okay. <laughs> um, nice. sometimes too, too much. So, so now, um, outside of, you know, doing stuff like the podcast, uh, I'd say I split my time, um, maybe, uh, you know, 40, 60, um, or maybe 30, 70, um, 
depending on, on how it goes. 70% of it is probably doing um, a large number of uh, remote um, production work, um, whether that's uh, doing songwriting or um, working through new material with bands in the UK, in Budapest, in Germany, in the in the States somewhere. Um, you know, when I moved out of my studio in Philly, that was the one thing where I was like, oh, man, I love this physical space. Um, but I realized it was like, ah, but I'm it's kind of all up here in my brain, like the taste palette that I've been developing and, and a lot of those lessons that goes wherever I go. Um, and I think the pandemic taught us that, you know, where there's a will, there's uh, increasingly a virtual way to, to do something and connect. And well, it's not, you know, an exact one for one translation to sitting next to someone in the studio. Yeah, there's a there's a lot that can get done. And I think a lot of good that can come from some of those relationships. So I do a lot of that. Um, when it makes sense, I love mixing stuff um, that's in our world, whether it's like indie rock, you know, playing with effects in post-production or like just serious, um, more like Wonder Years, like very like rock, uh, rock band centric driven stuff. I, um, you know, probably as, um, you know, forged out of writing riffs and writing music for wonder years for so long and playing with the faders a little bit and each each record i'm like oh let me dress this up a little bit more before i show it to the band and you know then eventually i was like oh i'm just like full-on mixing this and this is literally like demo like 30 second demo one and i was like man i i do love this um and i had a long way to go from there but now I, i've gotten to a point where um I really find it thrilling to be a part of that process. You know, it's like breaking it down into different roles. Um, I, I like that. And I, I like what that does for me. It keeps me excited. It keeps me invigorated and it keeps me creative, you know, because um, yeah. then everything I'm doing isn't just being one, um, you know, one member in the Wonder Years dynamic or everything I'm doing isn't just producing front to back this album for someone it's you know i'm allowed to play different roles in the process where it's um appropriate Great. and i can do a lot of that remotely and i and i love it so much and then the other 30 percent, as i mentioned earlier has actually turned to um trying to take some of those um kind of strategic lessons whether it be on the marketing branding side and understanding um you know I, i've we've been lucky and i've been um super fortunate to have such a long extended career uh, with wonder years and to come into contact with so many wildly intelligent, um, and brilliant people in the music industry and entertainment in general, I've had a yeah. lot of great mentors and I'm like, you know what, we would not be able to have accomplished what we have accomplished as a band if it was not for the help and belief and, you know, guidance from, from all of those sources, you know, that, that come, mm -hmm. came into our world and came into my world personally, even early on. So um, I was like, hey, listen, if I can even be a small piece um, in the journey for some of these bands that have a lot of promise, have a lot of heart and, and just, you know, are unsure of what they don't know just yet, you know, then um, then I'd love to take take some time off and do that. So I've been doing that through uh, kind of like one on one virtual coaching sessions as well. Oh, cool. um, okay. And that's, and that's been super fun too. Cause I get to like get even deeper, not just it, talking about musically, but I get to get, uh, you know, behind the story, the origin story of what these bands are doing, what's driving them and get to have those conversations that I think are sometimes just as important, if not more important than where the music is at any given, you know, point in time. Right. Um, 
obviously music is is your calling card forever but um you know as we've seen with wonder years it it evolves you know um and thinking thinking long term is it is an art in and of itself and is not always easy to do so I, i love working with bands in that capacity and that kind of fills the other i'll say 30 percent of my time when i'm off the okay. road yeah is there any is there any artists that you've been working with recently in any of those capacities that you mentioned that i should know about right now i'm, I'm sure there's loads but like if you had to just name a couple if, if you're able to do that yeah yeah i mean I, i'll shout out a few that i think are um are great and are making really cool music um and one of them is a band from michigan called last night saved my life um they're a pop punk band uh they've made some incredible records over the years they've actually had help from um derek the, the singer of state champs um okay who ha- has come in and co-produced and co-wrote some stuff with them and i had a, a great time over the last year or two working with them on some some art direction some creative stuff and and, and bringing together um and figuring out how to continue to try to grow as a band even though they couldn't tour right which now they can so okay. things get yeah. get um supercharged and very exciting um that's a cool band that i think people would check out if they like stuff like state champs or band camino things in that world um they're they're awesome songwriters and performers um and just incredible stand-up guys which makes it a, a joy to to work with as well um and then there's another band, um, actually, a uh, very new, um, project, but, uh, it's an, an artist, uh, based over in Budapest. Um, the band's called Valami Less. Um, and it's kind of like a indie rock ambient project. Very, very different from a lot of like the pop punk, like Wonder Years world stuff. But again, very interesting, uh, for me to work on specifically and kind of, um, help in both capacities from a production and from a coaching standpoint, um, you know, build that brand and what that project is, um, and where it can go. So I've been shaping songs, you know, starting off with just very early pre-pro demos, um, and and kind of seeing them through, you know, final post-production and mix phase, pulling in a lot of other people from around the world, um, to collaborate and do remote session work. So that's, that's another cool example on the other side of the spectrum that is very new, has just started, um, you know, trickling out some songs, but has a, has a lot of other really cool, uh, material in the pipeline coming, coming down and have, is such an intelligent guy. His name is Ryan Lane and um, is the is the singer and the primary songwriter of the band. And uh, it's been a joy to work with him as well. So yeah, I check that out. Um, Valami Less, I'm sure if someone wants to, they can find their way to it through my Instagram or, or Googling. Um, yeah, you know, yeah um, I, I, I can definitely link them up. Uh, yeah, when I yeah. Put this out as well. So those sure. are those are a few examples. Um, and I have interesting conversations every day, and some of them are just you know um, more in the um, in the introductory stages, and there will come a time where it's kind of like just based on project release, like setting up a band's release and figuring out what that rollout strategy could look like, how they can do it better um, or in a different way than what they've been trying. Right. So sometimes it's you know. Um, you know, seasonally like that as well, which is, which is also really nice, but yeah, it's, uh, it's, uh, it's a lot to take on, but it's all, it all keeps me excited to get up every day. Um, you know, when I'm not on tour and when I don't have uh, a tour manager, you know, right. cracking the whip to get out of bed <laughs> cause I, cause I overslept. Right. So, um, so yeah, it's, uh, it's cool, man. It's, um, it's a lot, but it, but it's a blast and I love it. 
Okay, cool, man. Um, also, uh, I hope you don't mind, but like, I might, I might. Do, do you remember the first time we interacted? I sent you some stuff from this that Birmingham band I manage. I don't know if you remember, like. Uh, Yes, of course. I, I, they've been yeah. very active. I think uh, they've honestly been messaging back and forth. I know you just had a new master come in, right? Yes, yes, yes. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we're kind of um, – because we – I mean, the, the, this is nothing new for the listeners. They they know them well. They've been on the show. We always talk about them. But, um, yep. yeah, they're just off the social detour, and we're just kind of – I'm hassling everyone I kind of know in the music industry. So I appreciate <laughs> um, your patience with that. But I'll probably I'll probably be sending you more stuff by from them over the coming weeks as, as we have new mixes come in. Um, yeah, yeah, it's no, very exciting. That. How did you, um, if you don't mind me flipping the script and asking you a question, Not then um, how did, and maybe your listeners already know this, how did you get into working with them from a management capacity? Because that's that's always an interesting uh, story. I always find it uh, curious how people get into specifically artist management. Oh, yeah, no, of course. Thank you for asking. Um, so we, me and Nick were fans of theirs already because I, I, you know, I kind of knew about them from, you know, just they, they, they'd appeared via the scene. I knew they were because the social distortion tour was originally 2020. And I, as a social distortion fan, I had tickets for that. So I, I knew that they were the support. And then they put out a single from their last record that both Nick and I just absolutely loved. We were just like, that was the song of the year for us in 2020. <laughs> so we, we booked them for our show and then kind of got to know them that way. And like, they mentioned that they didn't have management on that when we did that show. And I was just like, that's crazy there. These guys are too good. They're on this huge tour. Like that, that's a missing piece of the puzzle. So I was just thinking like of people I know who they would, they would have been good to work under. And then like, just the idea just popped into my head as I was thinking, I was like, maybe that's something I could have a go at. Cause like, you mm. know, I've, I've been in bands and stuff and I've been on the other side of stuff. And I was just like, you know, I'm, I'm in my late thirties now. I'm just like, that could be a good way for me to be involved in the, in the music world as well. So it kind of grew from there. I, so I, you know, I approached them and I was like, you know, are you up for like going on this journey together? And, and we, that was like a year and a half ago. So we've just been kind of doing it since then. So that's how it came about. Oh, amazing. Well, um, well, I love that. And isn't it so fitting that here we are back again? Uh, it all comes full circle. Uh, it pays to be a fan of music, huh? Um, exactly, right. You know, um, and I think that's the greatest way, uh, you know, um, is, is so much of any any role or any job in music, you got to have your heart in it first before, you know, you look at any of the numbers because exactly. <laughs> they're going to be up and down. Um, but if it's something you truly love and like that, I, I think some of the best advocates and representatives uh, that I've come across in the music business in our scene um are the ones that are like I, I couldn't not try to help this band because they're too good you know um yeah so it, it's forged out of that and an, and an honesty and a genuineness that I, I i love so yeah it's you know and it's probably fun to watch them and, and try to help them um and advocate for them on their behalf so i love that yeah so um <laughs> pitch away, you know, um, I and I don't mind staying up to date with them. Of course, I, you know, that's, that's kind of my thing these days, as I've mentioned, <laughs> um, oh, is you, up Casey. and coming bands. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think, you know, this, we've been talking for over 90 minutes now. So I think um, we could probably just about wrap this thing up. I might, can I just fire a couple of sort of general questions 
proper brief sort of quick fire questions at you, and then we can then we can uh, wrap this up if that's, if that's of cool course that's to- that's totally fine i also in true uk form feel like looking at some of your other episodes here i might really set a record uh another length rec- set length record here <laughs> um <laughs> you know if we're not careful but um as long as that's up to you and and you can you can trim it down however you need no the, the longer ones are the better ones yeah we had i mean we we have had some some conversations that have gone on for a long time, which is always a good thing, you know. Like you know, like uh, sometimes sometimes you talk to someone and it's like, oh wow, we've got you know we've been going fifteen minutes. I'm running out of things to say. That's definitely yeah. not the case tonight. Yeah, no, um, that's not the case with me. I mean, we may be in a singles economy, but I am an album fan through and through. So um, <laughs> so that's. That's what we're getting here, at least. But yeah, so fire away. We, um, I'm happy to answer any finish up strong, as they say. Okay, uh, let's go for it. Okay, bit of a difficult one, but who are some of the cont- who are some of the contenders for like your top three artists of all time? Ooh, um, that is that is a very tough one. Um, I've always been an incredible Death Cab for Cutie fan and really just any Ben Gibbard projects at large. I think um, prolific songwriter doesn't really do his career justice um, and that band in general. Um, actually, years ago, we uh, we had a phone call with uh, Chris Walla actually about potentially um, really? producing a Wonder Years record. And that was that was great. It didn't happen. He was in a, a life transition phase and and moving, um, you know, at the time, but, um, but I remember that conversation fondly. Um, and yeah, so for anybody that's, um, that's curious about that, Oh, what record was it? I think it's, um, you know, we talked about, uh, I think it might've been sister cities actually, interestingly enough, or long before that. So, uh, for any death cab fans, um, and if anybody's familiar with, uh, our song flowers where your face should be picture what that, would have said, I mean, I love it. And this song came out beautifully. This is actually, um, I, I almost don't want to, um, suspend this, but that song was almost produced by Chris Walla. <laughs> um, you know, um, and so that would have been really interesting, I, I think. Um, but I love how it came out regardless. Um, and I, I hope he would say the same wherever he is. Um, but yeah, so, uh, death cab is probably one, you know, one of my top, um, top artists, um, for sure. Uh, I mean, you know, and, and and I have to, I feel obligated to include um, something in the canon of uh, Green Day offspring just because I wouldn't wouldn't be doing what I'm doing, wouldn't be having this conversation with you, I'm sure, and many others that I've had if it was not for that band. I know I am not alone in that. <laughs> um, there are a lot of kids that picked up uh, the guitar, picked up the drums, picked up the bass because of that band. Um and uh, I think okay. it's... Do, do you know if anyone in the Green Day camps aware of you guys? <sighs> Have you had I, much you know, interaction or um, anything? You know, I have to say, um, I believe um, Billy Joe's son also uh, plays in plays in some bands, and we've crossed paths with them. I think they were on Warp Tour years ago, <clears throat> and things like that. I would. Um, I would imagine the name has crossed his radar now, whether or not uh, he delved far into uh, the Wonder Years canon is another thing. Um, You know, there are a lot of bands out there, but um, 
I would like to venture a guess that if if he hasn't heard it um, and something was put in front of him, that he, he'd find some redeeming quality in it um, and have uh, something positive to say about it. Um, you know, uh, I mean, truthfully, it's like along the same lines, I, I will say that uh, Blink-182 is is obviously a massive band when it comes to the genre of pop punk at large and pretty much potentially maybe the, the biggest band, depending on who you ask. And, um, I know for a fact that, uh, Mark Hoppus is more than familiar with our our band because he actually Mm -hmm. had a small hand in, um, co-writing on this new album with us. Um, so, uh, yes, um, it, it, it effectively probably boiled down to, as he says it in the documentary that we've put together that we'll be releasing uh, after the record comes out, uh, as he said it, uh, really all he did is probably just um, supply some much needed feedback to Dan at a time when he was maybe starting to potentially overthink some things. But, um, <clears throat> you know, so he was aware he um, he took the call and has had very nice things to say about the new songs that, you know, having played him when, when, um, when that was transpiring, uh, mostly remotely at the time, uh, over zoom, uh, you know, was played some of the other songs that were works in progress and, um, tells a story of getting chills when hearing them. So, um, either he's being overly kind or, um, you know, that, so that was pretty, uh, pretty cool to hear i, I guess yeah, uh, i think uh, i think yeah Fuck 15 yeah. year old uh, all all of the 15 year old versions of ourselves were um probably you know uh doing doing a couple jumping jacks over that one yeah for sure. i'm not surprised so um so that that one's good enough so i'll, I'll take mark uh any day um and uh yeah um so that's probably a pretty big pretty prolific band as well Um, Mm -hmm. I also, I always kind of go back to this, but like I said, I was very, uh, very into early offspring records. Like, um, you know, uh, I I think I, I, you know, I remember those along with some of those green day records, um, were some of the first that I remember trying to learn on guitar and playing along to in my room, you know, that were kind of like the foundation of like, Oh, this is what a power chord is. Oh, this is what an octave is. Interesting. Sneaky power chord minus the middle. Okay. I see what you're doing here. Um, (laughs) I I see you noodles. Um, yeah. So that, that was probably one, one of the other, you know, and again, a pretty, pretty important band in terms of like, I still think they have like the highest selling independent label release, uh, of all times. That record is smash has probably sold like 15, 20 million cop. I don't even know what something, something insane, something um, crazy, yeah. <clears throat> you know, that, uh, that Brett Gerowitz has put back into a number of other bands, um, which is very cool. So, um, yeah, so I think that, uh, that probably, that probably is a nice trifecta there uh, of those for sure. Yeah. That's a good answer. Um, Okay. They're just, I'll keep this very brief because I think it's time to to wrap this up for sure. Uh, What what TV shows do you watch real quick? What are some of your favorites? Um, Oh, wow. Um, Okay. Um, Well, take, well, while I'm gathering my thoughts, just, chop this little bit up um and uh so that it doesn't seem because i because i have some answers i'm just trying to sort through them very quickly um you know what i um what show i actually recently we'll start on a we'll start on a lighter note right so being from philadelphia uh, i'm not sure how familiar or, or how 
big the show is there in the UK, but It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia is a huge um, show in the States. Yeah. It's, uh, and it's- I- it's huge here too. It's huge. Here okay, too. fantastic. Yeah. I, I thought it might. I thought it might be. Um, but so uh, Rob McElhenney also has a has a brand new show that I believe is on Apple TV. That's called Mythic Quest that I've really been enjoying. <laughs> um, so uh, very lighthearted. He plays uh, basically uh, like a, a software, um, you know, immersive game developer yeah. and really yeah. takes on that role. So I don't know. Have you seen Have you seen that show? Yeah. I couldn't get into it, man. I tried. Oh, I no. Tried. Yeah. Oh. I'm sorry, bro. It wasn't oh, for me. forget it. I, uh, <laughs> I loved it. Um, but anyway, so, well, like we said, we're starting, we're starting pretty lighthearted with that one. So that's like a nice palate cleanser, um, for some of the other ones. I did really enjoy, uh, this show on HBO called Severance, um, that I thought I, I love um, some of those like kind of cerebral uh, mystery thriller stuff. Um, okay. And then, um, you know, I haven't gotten around to, um, I haven't gotten around to the new um, Game of Thrones spinoff, but I hear really good things. I will say I, I did love um, watching Game of Thrones and I think I'm due for a rewatch on all of that. Um, because it was very oh, good. You're, you're going to rewatch it. Oh, wow. Okay. <laughs> I, you know, I think, then. I think it's worth a rewatch, you know, and there are very few, I'll say this, there are very few shows out there that I would even consider doing that with. Um, yeah. and I think that's one of them because, um, the end didn't let me down enough, uh, to, to make me angry. <laughs> um, and, but the story and char- character development, there's just, it's so rich, with uh with narrative and and plot twist yeah. um that it's it's really enjoyable um and you know is is also at this point like it or hate it was a cultural moment you know and so i think sure, there are also sure. a few things like i remember when breaking bad um as a show kind of did that and became this like cultural moment um you know because it was written about and and being talked about in every which way and you know kind of almost ascending to that like Sopranos-esque level of television history, right? Um, but yeah, so I, I really liked Game of Thrones and um, I enjoy the new Stranger Things when, if we're talking about like pop culture phenomenons. Um, oh, yes. yep. I, I, I like uh, I like that show as well. Um, and those are, those are a couple. What are, what are you into? Because I'm curious. I feel like I, I'm certain that I'm forgetting a bunch of them right now. Um, but we always like every time I get back together with the band, yeah, yeah. it's always like, oh, what have you been watching? Oh, I did love that. And I just forget them right now. Yeah, that's that that that's good. Well, like my 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 go tos, I'm always going back to Seinfeld and a and a, a show over here called Father Ted. I don't know if you've ever come across that on your travels in the UK, but they're like my they're like my comedy classics. That I'm always going back to um, but in terms of more recent stuff. I'm trying to think what's what's really impressed me. Oh God! Like, see, I wasn't expecting you to turn this back on me, and now mm-hmm. I'm like, not so easy, oh, is it? <laughs> no, man. Like, yeah, it was easy for me to just kind of put you on the spot. Um, I feel like there's been a couple of things that me and my wife have watched that have been like really, really good. I'm just gonna, I'm gonna cheat. I'm just gonna ask you. Yeah, do it. Felicia, what's like a good TV show that we've watched this time? I feel like I'm being put on the spot here, and I can't think of one. Yeah, like something new. Because uh, he turned the question on me, and I'm just like, oh, Seinfeld. And I'm just like, I'm just... Oh, yeah, okay. All right, yeah. Um, 
feel like we could do better, but that's something. Yeah. Um, she's saying we watched that Nev- um, Never Have I Ever on Netflix, which is Mindy Kaling's. Oh, uh, yeah. I do love Mindy Kaling. That? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. That, that was fun. That was fun. Um, I think I think she's not that much better on the spot than I am. Though. But, <laughs> well, that's um, okay. Yeah. You get you gave me time to to think of one more that I sure. that I've uh, been enjoying, which is uh, Righteous Gemstones, which is also on HBO, I believe. Like John Goodman. Oh, I'm not and, sure I know. Um, that. Okay. Um, yeah. Um, what's the? Um, oh, I always forget his name. Um, oh man, uh, it's uh, it's pretty funny. They play like a they play um, like a a very like um very like um religious like church organ like church family like organization um extremely yeah. like wealthy and you know kind of like drawn from like the mega church fodder of the south and midwest over here um and uh and it's you know the story about all of them and it's uh there's a good bit of humor um if you are did you ever see a show called eastbound and down uh yeah that was um what's his face forgotten his name yes who was the lead in that uh danny mcbride who was also in righteous gemstones and is incredible in that so yeah so i i I actually i have a couple more episodes i realized i I hadn't actually for some reason finished the most recent season so um i'm actually uh, i'll probably save that for the plane tomorrow on my way out to riot fest nice sounds like a plan yeah um <laughs> okay right i l- let me leave you one last question um where do you want to see wonder years at in 10 years time like what you know what kind of legacy would, would you know do you still see yourself doing the band 10 years from now because you know that could easily happen we look at you know other other kind of peers in this genre and like they're kind of in their 50s 60s and like it just kind of sneaks up on you like would do you is that what you envision for you guys? It does sneak up on you, you know, and, and honestly, what's interesting is, um, even right now, I mean, if it, if it all, um, if it all ended, you know, tomorrow, I know myself and everybody in this band would be so fulfilled and, um, extremely proud of what even, you know, what we've accomplished and, and would be leaving, you know, the world with, because the, the fact is we did not think that we would get out of our parents' basement, you know? Um, and we're still, even on some of our, uh, you know, even on the worst days, we're like, are they just going to stop liking us? You know? Um, and, and, um, but they, you know, um, but it, it hasn't happened yet. Um, and we, like I said, the only thing I'll get overconfident about these days is the fact that this is the Wonder Years record that I am most proud of to date, uh, mm-hmm. this new one. Uh, and beyond that, uh, if we have played some small part of which I think is already to some degree apparent based on the feedback we've gotten from people over the years about our previous records, that's good enough for me. I would love to continue to come play shows, um, to the same, the same people and grow up with them, um, and and keep showing up and sharing, uh, that sense of community and that sense of nostalgia. Um, you know, and it's interesting. It's like, yes, would I, would I like us to, um, you know, open up to a whole new, uh, burgeoning, uh, group of, you know, 
brand new Wonder Years fans with this album? Sure. But I don't actually care. Like the people that have been here this long um, yeah. and the people that are paying attention, it's uh, this record is is for them because they've seen the journey to it. You know, they've seen the, the, the very long extended, like 17 year road that has gotten yeah. to the hum goes on forever. Yeah. And, um, so it's, we're making it things that we want to make for us. And we, we executed on that with this record and we are, you know, making things that we hope, uh, that our fans and the people that do take notice and listen are going to enjoy and get value out of, um, and find, uh, and find pleasing and find, um, you know, find evoke, uh, you know, a similar emotion in them and find useful to them. And I think we did it at, you know, time will tell, right. Maybe we're finding out, uh, as this plays because the record is already out as we, as we addressed early on in the conversation, but, Anything beyond that, um, I, I will not hold my breath. I, I would love to still be playing. I think everybody in the band would have no problem if this were 10 years from now, 15 years from now, to be doing shows. <clears throat> Do I think that we awesome. will be spending eight, 10 months out of the year <laughs> on the road uh, in 10 years? Absolutely not. If we are, we did something horribly wrong. Um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, and we're being punished for it because our families don't deserve that. But um, but we still want to go out. We still want to go make the rounds and and do the check-in and see everybody in, in all the cities when we can. Um, you know, it might look a little different, but that's okay. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Um, yeah. With that said, I think that's a good, good place to, to end things, man. I just want to thank you so much for giving your time. This has been, this has been a, a really fun chat. I just want to say, I appreciate you, Casey. I appreciate you too. Thank you for listening. If you liked what you heard, we'd love it if you could, subscribe to us uh wherever you get your podcast whether that's itunes or spotify or stitcher or any, anywhere like that um also check us out on social media if, if you just search for wasting time podcast on instagram or twitter or facebook give us a like or a follow on any of those and also we love hearing from listeners as well so um, feel free anytime to drop us an email at the wasting time podcast at gmail.com or obviously you can message us on social media as well but um yeah we'll catch you next time for you to